0: welcome to the pat mayo experience week four waiver wire pickup power rankings and they'll just be in order i mean the power of said rankings is probably not all that great but they are in order From one down to however many I decided to rank this week. Who knows? That'll be a surprise. If you actually do want to go see all the rankings and all the running back snap shares, go to the description of this video or podcast, and boom, there is a link that will bring you directly to that. So you can follow along if you happen to be watching this live, because we are live every single Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the DraftKings YouTube channel and Facebook.com slash the. PME. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, very easy way to do so. In fact, there are three ways that you can do that this week. Number one, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Not the live chat, the comment section, which probably like pops up now or after it goes. I actually have never seen how the chat were, how the comment section works while I'm doing the show because I'm doing the show. And I only see it after it's done. Either way, in the comment section, what you do is tell me how much of your fab budget are you willing to spend on Wayne Gallman this week? When I get into it with Steve Buchanan, we'll try to brainstorm some ideas and maybe some possible scenarios of how much you should spend. If you have the number one waiver priority, of course you're going to spend it, but you know, why are you playing in leagues that only have waiver priority and not fab bucks? That's not fair. The second way to do so leave an itunes review a stitcher review spotify review wherever you can leave an audio review for the pat mayo experience audio podcast subscribe to the show download the show rate five stars DraftKings handle something nice about the show boom you're in a draw for 20 dk bucks as well last way to do so i posted my snap up on my instagram feed Instagram.com slash the PME at the PME on Instagram. You follow that account, you hurt the snaps photo, and leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section of that photo. And you too will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. Winners announced on this Monday show. So I got some winners of 20 DK bucks for you right now. Too Tall, 22, QT Quillen, Mickhead, Rinkaro, Rink nato oh man these are tough just make them easy (laughs) flynn ryan c marsh one one two three lukey g four dempsey c2 ketter seven adlai Sylvanus a madison 22 and packers canada Or all. Oh, Canada. There we go. Uh, They are all the winners of the 20 DK Bucks. The Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League is now open. um, After the show comes to its conclusion, once the podcast version is up, you will find the link to the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League in the description and comment section of this video and podcast. $15 to enter, three max entry, 4,000 spots, over $60,000 of rake-free guaranteed money. It is the best tournament on. DraftKings, I suggest everyone go play. It filled up by Friday last week. So if you do want to get in, just go reserve your spot right now. You can go fill out your team on Sunday. All right? Enough of that. Let's talk to Steve, my main man, Buchanan, from DraftKings Live. He's on the line. What's going on, my man?
1: What's going on? I think we need a segment where you just read usernames. It's fantastic.
0: The thing is, the screen is really far away from me, and shockingly enough uh word does not have it uh as real word so it has the red squiggly line underneath of it so it just it's very small and confusing when i'm, I'm squinting at the computer it's not, it's not great news over here
1: yeah you know you power through it though you persevered I, I appreciate it
0: listen i don't think that people really care if i fuck up their DraftKings handle too much as long as they get their money
1: <laughs> that's for damn sure
0: so let's start let's recap the week a little bit i before we get into the berkeley stuff and the waiver wire pickups you're watching this after the fact hit the time codes and you can just jump to the section that you want to see but i have a little little three-way power rankings what was more absurd in week three steve i'm going to give you three options and you have to vote one bruce arians intentionally taking a delay of game penalty (laughs) to push his kicker back because quote he kicks better from long range and then he misses the game-winning field goal I will also throw into that mix, along with Bruce Arians, running the ball 75 consecutive times with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones in the fourth quarter of that game when they could have just scored a touchdown, won, and covered the fucking spread. No, couldn't do that, so that's one. Number two, uh, Freddie Kitchens calling a draw play on fourth and nine. Uh, I thought the Chiron on my TV was wrong because I was watching it without sound. It says fourth and nine, and I see them run this absurd draw play that obviously doesn't work. I was like, oh, like it must not be fourth down. It must be first down or something like that. And NBC has screwed this up. Nope, nope, nope. They turned the ball over on downs. Um and then when they're like on their in their own, like f- on their own 10-yard line, they run like Four verts down the field instead of trying to get a first down. They send everyone on a go route, and of course Baker gets sacked. And then, why are you playing five wide at the end of the game on fourth down when you know your offensive line isn't holding up? Just, Demetrius Harris is a big dude. Just stand him there and let him at least try to chip someone to give Baker an extra second. I don't know what Freddie Kitchens is up to, but he's god-awful. And the last one... Lamar Jackson throwing these jump balls that work every single time that are like, it's playing, it's like playing <laughs> a game of 500 up. It's just like, let's go. And then your guy just comes down with it every single time. It was crazy. So those are my three options for week three.
1: <laughs> Th- that's a really tough one. I, I was so flabbergasted by running Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones over and over And over, I think it was six straight carries for Ronald Jones and then Barber mixed in as well. For somebody who had so much Mike Evans, it was infuriating. Like, this dude is absolutely annihilating Denoris Jenkins. They're covering him one-on-one. Just give him the damn ball. Nope! We want to go with household name Ronald Jones. We want to go with the power back of Peyton Barber over and over and over. It was so frustrating. It was losing my absolute mind. But the Matt K kick was unbelievable because his reaction, Bruce Aarons reaction after it looked like somebody had just shot his dog or something. Like he was flabbergasted. Like it went through his mind that this is a good idea. We, this is what we want to happen. It was uh, that, that was really something. The, the Browns I'll, I'll put in third. I'll actually throw another one at you. How about Pete Carroll needing to get stitches before the game? Cause someone donked him in the face with a ball during pregame warmups.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know they lost that game, but it did make him look super tough on the sidelines. Nothing will pay <laughs> Like Pete Carroll's an old man; he's like seventy, he so he's he's taking the ball off the face. I mean, you know, just quick, quick three stitches, and all of a sudden he's chewing his gum. He's all rah rah on the sidelines. Probably just got him more <laughs> fired up.
1: I actually, I was actually so happy that they got it on tape too. It was a very wide shot, but if if you if you have a good TV, a good HCTV, you could see it.
0: I mean, all HD TVs are pretty good. If you had 4K or potentially even 16K, now we're talking.
1: Well, not all of us are balling like Pat Mayo, so let's get that. Let's not get that. I I
0: don't have a 4K TV, please, balling like Pat Mayo. I have to give away money so people watch my show. Come on now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I, I I had this other idea about you in my head.
0: Yeah no I I'm not living the life of luxury let me tell you that much right now the other well, I've f- noticed
1: the diamond studs are gone so you know maybe we're in the the pawning business now
0: uh well I mean my wife told me I look like an idiot on TV um <laughs> by wearing my fake diamond stud earrings. I still break them out every now and again. Uh, generally, when she's out of town, I just walk around wearing giant fake earrings all the time. But I had a conversation with Travis Kelsey about this at the Super Bowl because we were both wearing the same earrings. I was like, those aren't real, are they? Because they look just like mine. He's like, no, I got them for, I got a three-pack at Claire's for 10 bucks. I was like, that is very a very sensible way to spend your money, Mr. Kelsey. Not blowing it all on $70,000 earrings, buying a three-pack for 10 bucks at Claire's. I can get behind that.
1: That was a really solid way to, you know, get in the humble brag that you were talking to Travis Kelsey during the Super Bowl.
0: I mean, it was on the show. People could watch it. We did it live. He was actually a fantastic guest. We talked about his reality TV show catching Kelsey for most of the time.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah, he had a reality show, a dating reality show. People forget that. That's right. So a few other things that I wanted to get at. The most devastating, like I didn't have a, I had a pretty good week with props. I was four and two, so big on that. Tampa obviously did not cover for me when they most definitely should, but the like most egregious gambling thing of the weekend was the Patriots yanking Tom Brady, putting that scrub back up in Uh him throwing a pick six. And that's what leads to them not covering that giant number.
1: Okay, but so (laughs) I was discussing this with somebody earlier. It was the right football move, but obviously it didn't work out in the betting world. Like, do you disagree that? Go- so, that no, no, I know, are- I know, I,
0: I, I don't disagree with the fact that they took Brady out in a game that was clearly out of reach. It's just, I like, I didn't bet on the game, but I had it in my Super Seven. I had Dallas and I had New England. I was just like, screw it, I'm picking both giant favorites. Then I'm, I'm watching it. I turn to the guy sitting at the bar next to me watching the games with me, and I'm just like he's going to do something stupid here and they're not going to cover despite the fact yeah. that the jets gained like three yards all game and boom, Jamal Adams pick six. There we go. Block punt. I mean, you should have started jets DST last week.
1: Yeah. 16, uh, D uh, DraftKings fantasy points. I think they were actually the top defense, if I'm not mistaken, they actually were pretty surprising and the saints too, like in a game that, you know, we're expected that there was going to be a lot of points. They ended up being one of the top ones as well. The, uh, Defense has been putting up some points so far, which is kind of odd when you think of all the high-scoring games, but at least from a fantasy perspective, they're putting up points.
0: So the other two big things I want to mention, I hit on this on the Friday show because it happened in the way back machine, way back on Thursday, but the Jets were doing the exact same thing. I don't blame the Jets because what else are they really going to do at this point? But first and 10 every time they had the ball, which was not often because they weren't getting many first downs, but Tennessee did the exact same thing. They turned around and handed the ball off on I'd say 90% of first downs. Just try something else yep. out. Just try it out. Try a bit of play action. See if that works. But no, no, we don't want to do that. But I talked about the biggest trap line of the week being the Bills minus six. that The Bengals would somehow cover that game. I had no idea how they would do it. But a lot of it would be a Josh Allen weird turnover or terrible decision. And guess what? We got the terrible decision. They were up 14 nothing, And it, was, it almost cost them the game. Because... The moment Josh Allen rolled out and tried to force the ball back into the middle of the field, a play which he's done probably like eight times in his very short career right now and throws it directly to the other team, like the entire momentum of that game absolutely swung and the Bengals started moving the ball offensively. Like they were dead to rights. They could not move the ball on the Bills' defense. Then all of a sudden, Josh Allen throws them back into the game. I love Josh Allen, but he needs to figure this shit out.
1: No. And that's going to, you know, we were talking about a little bit last week. That's going to be his biggest detriment from week to week. You know, the Bengals offense really, I'm sorry, defense hasn't really anything special, but they got some receivers that like if given the opportunity and razor Andy starts tossing the ball down the field, like they got guys that can come back and score some points here. Like we always think about this Bengals as a team to pick on, but you know, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Joe Mixon, it's not like they're void of talent. So if you give them the opportunity to get back into a game, they can get back into it. So yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was just that typical Josh Allen move. And then all of a sudden, the Bills look helpless. It just, that's how it's going to be every all season long. And But somehow, they're still 3-0. and But that is going to come up and bite them in the ass eventually. They're not going to be able to keep getting away with that. Teams are going to capitalize on those mistakes, especially from Josh Allen.
0: Yes, and if that's going to happen in week four, and they're playing the Patriots, the Patriots are specifically that yep. team that is going to capitalize on something like that it's funny like with the exchange of the interception from Josh Allen it's like there was a Shang Tsung effect on it like he ripped the Bengals ripped the soul out of the Bills and all of a sudden like they could move the ball offensively because the Bills legit looked lost until that final game winning drive like they yeah. could not move the ball at all anymore and it was really weird and then they started running TJ Yeldon a bunch like it was, yep. just, it was just all very very confusing
1: And thank God for that late touchdown from Frank Gore because, you know, the chalkiest of chalk almost totally busted. Like it was a typical Frank Gore chalk week. And I don't think we've had very many of those, but it was like, it was almost scripted to perfectly. Like everybody's going to be on Frank Gore and then he's going to have to absolutely nothing. And he saved his day with, I think it was just under two minutes scoring that touchdown, but yeah, it's the bills are, absolutely night and day, like every single game, it feels like it's almost like they go in these waves of they're in it and then they just completely crumble. And like I said, I think this is what you got to see all season long. Get used to it.
0: Yeah, they actually seem their offense seems to perform a whole lot better because we even saw it against the Giants last week that in week one, they were moving the ball very effectively against the Jets. They just kept turning the ball over Uh, and then eventually they come back and win when they're down in these games and they get up against the Giants. The offense absolutely stalls like they want to be conservative so much once they get a lead. They, they so want to protect that lead. It absolutely cripples their offense. Like they almost just need to go out and wing it the entire game, whether they're up by 21 or down by 21. At least the, at least the ball moves down the field at that point.
1: No, I think Josh Allen definitely lets up on the gas a little bit. And we started in this game against the Bengals. And then all of a sudden they're in frantic mode and they're trying to, you know, recoup here, but it's, I was actually surprised at how little John Brown was using this game. Like, you know, I might be a John Brown truther. Cause obviously I keep hammering his props, which actually didn't hit this week. And that was pretty, that was pretty aggravating, but um, he's by far their number one receiver. You know, I'm not a huge Cole Beasley guy. Zay Jones is whatever, but, wasn't really getting many looks in this game. I actually thought that was kind of surprising seeing how well they've been connecting during the first two weeks.
0: Yeah. Well, in the first three drives of the great game would have you believe that John Brown was going to go for 200 yards in this game. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) right. It's just the entire offense like it's like something that the the energy got sucked out of it. and They just want to turn to the ground. Frank Gore was chalky, but I think he only scored like 15 and a half or 16 DraftKings points. It helped you it didn't hurt you it didn't win you any tournaments. My biggest mistake of the week was I went the full fade on Nelson Aguilar just thinking, you know, if he doesn't come through with a massive game, I'm going to have huge leverage on the field in these giant tournaments now he had a great game fan like DraftKings wise. He scored two touchdowns, eight catches for 50 yards. He also had a horrible drop. Like Nelson Aguilar is not good.
1: (laughs) No. And like, I I fully faded him as well. Like um, I I went all in on Frank Gore chalk week. That was enough BS for, for one week. I wasn't going to go with Nelson Aguilar as well, but yeah, the beginning of the game, especially in the first half, he had that brutal drop. It just looked, he just looked awful. Like he's just not that number one guy. You know, it, this is only because of the injuries, why he was being showcased so much, obviously. But if anything, I was on, um, you know, a couple of, like Devin Smith that didn't work out too well either. But there was so many cheap receivers that I didn't feel the need to go to Nelson Aguilar because I felt like there was value in other places, which didn't really work out that great. But, you know, it is what it is. But just I, I will never be on Nelson Aguilar talk week for any reason.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to be in the same boat as you. Although showdown for next Thursday, they play on the short week at Green Bay. It's probably unlikely Deshaun Jackson's back for this game. And there were rumors that Alshon was going to play this week, but uh, he didn't come close when all was said and done that they might just hold him out for this Thursday night game too. But you know, they, they might need to get, a, to, to get a win here soon. Like they don't want to go to one yeah. and three.
1: No, because as as of right now, if Altron is out, like I don't even see how the Eagles have any chance against this Packers defense. And I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit later. But I mean, they look legit like another week where they just stopping everything. Like it's at a point now where, you know, if you were streaming the Packers defense, for whatever reason, like you're almost locking them in on a week to week basis. Like we'll see what the schedule looks like moving forward. But the Packers in this game against the Eagles, I just don't see any chance for the Eagles right now. They just they just don't have it
0: we'll get to the Packers in a little bit. When we get to the power five teams, Uh, they actually cracked my top five this week. So good on green Bay. Although I do have some issues with their team. Um, Let's talk about the giants and Daniel Jones looking good. Is Daniel Jones actually good or is Tampa's pass defense just really bad?
1: (laughs) No. Well, this is what I, I noticed once Barkley was out of that game, the Bucks were rushing him and he just totally looked like he was flustered. Like, and I was surprised they didn't kind of keep that pressure on him. Cause once they kind of let up again, then he started hitting those guys deep down the field, especially late in the fourth quarter. But he was coasting in the beginning. He looked great. But that first rush that he had, it was just like giants fans have not seen this. Like this, this is a totally new offense that we have um, going on here. And I think he looks great though. Like it's one game, you know, we don't want to get overhyped here, Obviously the run was going to be a non-existent with Barkley out. And then how good the Bucks run defense has been overall. But I thought he looked really good in the tight windows. He had a good pocket presence. Like there was a lot to like about Daniel Jones in week one. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. This...
0: All right. In, in week three, Daniel Jones, I think fantasy wise with that rushing ability uh, is actually going to be somewhat of an asset. I like, if you play in a 12 team league, you're probably not picking up and he, he's my starter, but I think you can stream him pretty effectively. Like he's going to be very popular on DraftKings next week against Washington
1: oh for sure i mean obviously we haven't seen washington yet we'll see them tonight against the bears but you know they've looked like just a a puddle you know case keenum is that is at the helm of that offense there other than scary terry or are we are we on that nickname are we off yeah
0: it's fine i like scary terry it rhymes anything that rhymes is usually pretty good (laughs)
1: Cause I thought you were making a case for something else last week, or am I mistaken?
0: No, I was making the case for no, yeah, I just think that Minchu Walk should be his name. People were like, oh, his name is Fu Minchu. It's like, it's a terrible name. Like whatever you whatever the most obvious name is is not a good nickname. I hate to tell you, people. This is why I work no, in that's the very true. this it's is like, why I work in the creative nickname arts and you don't.
1: Right. <laughs> right. But you know, I honestly, like, I want to get a feel for how the Redskins look tonight before I fully commit to Daniel Jones. Like you know, it's another Josh Allen type guy, Kyle Allen type guy, going to be someone who's going to give you a nice floor every week. So I want to see at least how the Redskins look tonight against the Bears because it's going to be a pretty tough matchup.
0: Yeah, when we get to the streaming quarterbacks eventually too, I, I actually, no matter how well or poorly, unless he gets benched for Dwayne Haskins, and he's the starter in week four, that Case Keenum against the Giants is probably a pretty good play too.
1: Case Keenum it really hasn't been that bad. Like I he's not something I'm looking to start in my season long league, but you know, if you have to stream on a particular week, he hasn't looked terrible. And we saw once again how poor the Giants secondary has been. I mean, like I said, they were one, they were covering uh, Mike Evans one on one, Jenorius Jenkins. It's getting absolutely roasted. Like so bad that I don't know how they didn't just keep throwing it his way. Like I know that he had that monster half, but pretty much ghosted in the second half is until that uh that late catch in the fourth, where I think it was like for 45 yards or whatnot to set up the what should have been the game winning field goal, which wasn't. Giant secondary is just so poor. At least Case Keenan should be able to do something.
0: The Atlanta Falcons, secret Mm. bad or the Colts secret good?
1: I want to say it's like a little bit of
0: both. The The, the Falcons just lost Keanu Neal again for the season. So he done. So their defense is going to continue to be bad.
1: Yeah, and the other thing with the Colts too is I was a uh, Jacoby Brissett looked fantastic in the beginning. Like he was, I think he had like nine or ten straight receptions before he he ended up uh, not completing one. And he did it with a pretty cast of misfits. Once T.Y. Hilton was out, it was what Zach Pascal um, through Hellfire and Brimstone. It's Kane and uh, Campbell, and I mean he was focusing more on the tight ends Ebron and Doyle. I think each drew about four targets. He wasn't. I think each of the receivers ended up with three targets apiece. But he looked pretty good, and I just think that goes to say show how bad this Falcons defense is. I just, I, the, it's hard to put my finger on because I feel like they should be good. I just, I, I can't figure it out. But I think the Colts are a little bit underrated right now.
0: I, I think so too. Like they lost to the Chargers in Week One in overtime. Like they could realistically be three and O at this point. So Vinatieri ends up making you know an, an extra field goal somewhere along the way, a few extra points along the way, something like that, they end up winning that game, and all of a sudden we're like, man. The Colts are pretty good. Although uh, Malik Hooker is going to be out four to six weeks with a knee injury. But Darius Leonard should return next week for that defense, which is a huge boost. I think Atlanta just gets overrated because they're a great fantasy team. Like, everyone owns Julio Jones. Everyone owns Calvin Ridley, who sucked this week. But Matt Ryan, everyone, Austin Hooper is someone starting tight end. That You get the sense that, oh, because everyone just starts all these guys in fantasy, people assume that they're really good. And even the offense, like, didn't do anything until the second half.
1: Well, I'll I'll tell you, I'm so off of Devonta Freeman. I think he looks absolutely terrible. Like the only reason why Ido Smith wasn't involved, because he was knocked out of the game so early, I think he had a concussion, but in a few weeks from now, like I wouldn't be surprised if Vito Smith is a lead back in this offense. I just think Freeman looks terrible. He's not gaining anything on the rushes yet. He rushed the ball 16 times for 88 yards. And that's pretty much with the lion's share of the carries because nobody else had one except Edo Smith who had the one before he was knocked out. But Freeman is just not the answer right now. And I think it kind of gets masked because we saw the big games from Julio Jones. Mohamed Sanu had a big game as well. But their running back situation is in big trouble if they don't make some change soon, I think.
0: Well, one of the big things, like I'm with you, that Devonta Freeman looks absolutely washed up. And yeah, Ido Smith left after the second series of that game with a concussion. So no word on whether he'll play next week or not. You know, concussions can go either way. They can last like three days. You pass protocol, you play the next week. Although it does put you at a higher degree of re-aggravating your brain problems, which, you know, I hear people don't like to do so much. So maybe he'll end up missing a week. But I'm with you that he eventually takes over. The problem is... We don't know if he's any good either. So if he ends up being the starting running back for the Falcons, fantasy wise, at least if he's the one getting 60% of the snap shares and Freeman's getting 40%, does that, would that entice you to play Edo Smith?
1: No, I mean, obviously I, if Freeman's going to take the, the line, you know, the majority of the snaps there, then, you know, it's still just like, you know, any other team, you're not going to play Ito Smith, but Freeman's just not doing himself any favors. Like I said, like uh, it's 16 carries at 88 yards. It just was nothing phenomenal. You know, what, what you, uh, his um, um, yards after contact isn't impressive either. It's just, it, it's unfortunate for Smith because I think he was on the brink of taking over because he really hasn't been terrible through the first two weeks. I'm actually just trying to pull his numbers up real quick. But overall, uh, like I said, Freeman is just not getting it done. And I, I, I think a change is going to have to come through soon.
0: Uh, Should we be streaming every defense against the Arizona Cardinals? Because Kyler Murray loves getting sacked.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it looked bad. I mean, I I thought it was every defense against the Texans, but I mean, at least Murray's starting to run now. But I think that's leaving him out to, you know, be more vulnerable at the point, too, because we all heard about how short he is and how he's not durable to be an NFL quarterback. But yeah. This is the problem that Josh Rosen had. And now Kyler Murray is is kind of starting to figure it out. He's just getting wrecked back there. And for such a small dude, like something's going to pop up soon. But at least he looks good when he's not getting hit.
0: Yeah, this is true. He's at least still moving this offense. Christian Kirk had the all-time greasy PPR day. It was like 10 catches for 59 yards. I will take it. I will take that, Christian Kirk. Thank you very much. But I can see why. He did have that big drop, though. Yeah, I can see why people don't like uh, PPR scoring sometimes. I mean, I like it because I think those kind of games are hilarious as someone who's basically owned Julian Edelman for a decade, but I-, I get the case against it when stuff like that happens.
1: Yeah. If he didn't have that big drop, he easily would have had over a hundred receiving yards in this game. That was, that was brutal as a uh, big Christian Kirk uh, truther myself. That was tough to watch.
0: Well, the the big four props that I put out that I ended up parlaying together went three of four. The one that didn't even come close was Demir Bird. The Birdman, Coco Beware. I had him over 35 and a half <laughs> yards. Uh, he ended up with nine for the day. But the I think it was the second pick for Kyler Murray. It was going to Bird down the sidelines. And the DB jumped 80 feet in the air and picked it off. I was like, oh, he just completes that. <laughs> I, I get it. Like the Devin Smith prop came through on one catch. So that's yeah. all I needed from Bird as well. I just... It was just an outstanding defensive play.
1: Bird's actually kind of interesting because, like, you never hear anybody talk to him, but he's already got 18 targets through, through, uh, th- through the first three weeks. You know, he hasn't been – he doesn't hurt this team by any means, but he's just completely overshadowed. Like, I kind of re- compare it to Ricky Seals-Jones when he was with the Cardinals last year. Like, he would always get, like, a decent amount of target share, but you never heard about him. He was a complete boomer bust, and I kind of – that's what I look at as Bird as well. But, I mean, for somebody who's drawn 18 targets the last three weeks – hear absolutely nothing about him.
0: Yeah, you you don't. But the big thing is, like, everyone thought that Andy Isabella would end up being, like, the fifth guy in yeah. the Because they play, like, four wide all the time. They go to five wide, although David Johnson yeah. they, they, is usually a part of that mix when they go to the five wide receiver sets. But, like, Michael Crabtree is getting so much run for this team. It's like, w- w- what are you doing? Like, Michael Crabtree is so old, and I don't think he's good anymore. Like, Keyshawn Johnson looks pretty good. Let's play him more. Let's play Demir. Like, Demir Bird's so fast that – I get why he's on the, like, he's just a different presence on that field. Like having Crabtree and Larry Fitzgerald, both could be like, Larry Fitzgerald's still good. Crabtree is not quite as good as he used to be, but I know Crabtree is the big bodied receiver, but at this point in their careers, they're running exactly the same routes. So if you have a Fitz, who's going to be your possession guy, and Christian Kirk is still running the stuff underneath and going deep, I'd rather have him on the outside with someone like Demir Bird or even Keyshawn Johnson all the time as another speed element of this offense.
1: I never s- understood the Crabtree signing to begin with. I remember when they signed him; it just didn't make any sense. Like to me, it was like, "Is Larry Fitz not going to be a big part of this offense as we thought?" Because just doesn't make any sense. Like Fitz is g- doing great. I mean, obviously, we'll see him start tailing off at the end of the year, like he always does. But they got such a talented group of young receivers with Kirk, Isabella, uh, with Bird. It just doesn't make any sense for Crabtree to be hogging off these these snaps at this point. Like he's not getting many targets. I think he has five through the first two uh, for the first two games. But it's just. I don't know. I like I would never play Crabtree in any format for any reason. Like I don't care what he does. Yeah, I mean the dude just look washed. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, looking into the numbers a little bit, it's not actually Bird who's getting impacted by Michael Crabtree. It is Keyshawn Johnson. Demir Bird actually played the most snaps of anyone in the offense from the receiving court, 96%. Kirk was at 92%. Larry Fitzgerald was at 92%. Keyshawn Johnson at 48 Michael Crabtree at 17 Trent Schurfeld at 4% of the snaps. And Andy Isabella saw the field once. Remember when he was the preseason god?
1: Preseason hero. That's all you heard about.
0: Yeah, so team preseason next year when you're playing those 2020 Week 3 showdown <laughs> contests on DraftKings, fire up some Andy Isabella. Let's talk Power 5, yeah, though.
1: Preseason Devin Smith, that, that, that killed me, too. That was brutal.
0: Yeah, I, I still believe in Kevin, or Kevin Smith. You, you wouldn't want to be playing Kevin Smith. He looks more like a dummy <laughs> fullback. But Devin Smith, I mean, he had his opportunities in that Dallas game. Yep. He just didn't end up coming through. Uh, although he ended up with, no, what, he, like 45 yards receiving on two catches? He had like yeah, I targets, mean, he, though.
1: He, I mean, for, for the, the price that he was like, he didn't have a horrible game, but like you expected him to kind of take over the role from Michael Gallup. And that's not what we saw at all. And with how much they've been throwing, you know, you thought like this could end up being a really good value, but he was getting some targets. He just wasn't making the connection. It's just, I don't know if him and Dak were on, weren't on the same page or whatnot, but you know, for one of the values that I was really hoping would kind of take me over the top this week, he uh, brought me to the bottom
0: yeah the the price was worth the risk I think because he even had two deep shots in this game he connects on one of them then all of a sudden he's smashing everyone else in that territory like he connects on one of those deep passes he might outscore Aguilar despite the fact that he had two touchdowns so that's why using a player like Devin Smith who's going to get these high a dot targets at least in DraftKings tournaments that if they do hit they're going to be so impactful that he could end up with like I don't want to say a Mike Evans game because Mike Evans scored three touchdowns but those type of (laughs) targets from the bottom end of receiver are really what you
1: want. Oh, for sure. And like uh, you know, another one I was looking at too was uh was Mac Hollins because I thought he was gonna get more of a role with the Philly with the Eagles, you know, um so banged up at receiver. But yeah, I mean this is, you know, especially in big large tournaments, these are definitely the plays you want to be looking at here because these are the guys that are going to make the biggest difference. Like even, you know, talking about Bird, someone who hasn't been getting talked up much but has 14 targets entering into this week. So you definitely got to take some of those shots in the large field tournaments.
0: Let's get to the power five where we rank our top five teams in the NFL through the week. Although obviously Monday hasn't quite concluded yet, but I don't think that the Redskins or the Bears are cracking the top five, regardless of what happens in this game. So (laughs) uh, on my outside looking in, I have Indy, the Niners, the Texans, and the Ravens. And number five, I got the Rams. Number four, I got the Packers. Number three, I have the Cowboys. Kansas City, number two, New England, number one. What's your five?
1: Uh, we are pretty much the same, except I have the Packers at five and the Rams at four.
0: I, I could probably get behind that. The sneaky thing, what I wanted to bring up about the Packers is yes, this defense looks absolutely lights out. So I think that's going to carry them through a large part of the season, but the offense, I know they put up the points yesterday, but they were all off Denver turnovers and like their own yep. 20, like. They couldn't move the ball at all. I don't know if Denver's defense is just rapidly improving. Maybe Vic Fangio has the inside scoop by being the Bears defensive coordinator. He can bring that. He just knows the offense, at least knows Aaron Rodgers well enough. I know it's a new offense, although the offense doesn't look different whatsoever. But the offense kind of sucks with Green Bay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that that's kind of where I'm at with them because you can't keep them out of the top five because defensively they've been absolutely phenomenal. But when it comes down to, you know, If they have to catch up or something, if they're playing from behind, I don't have the confidence they're going to be able to do so. Like, just Aaron Rodgers just doesn't look great to me. Like, you know, he was okay last week, you know, past 235 yards, you know, only one touchdown. But one of the biggest things that you notice is that Devontae Adams has been basically a ghost, you know, almost all season long. I know he's had a couple tough matchups. Schedule's going to get a little bit easier, but at least, you know, as we're looking at how everything looks through three weeks of football, this Packers team is going to have a tough time, you know, keeping up with some of these high powered offenses as the season goes on. So something's got to change here. When Devonte Adams is consistently getting shut out week after week, this offense isn't built that other guys can kind of pick a pick them up. You know, I know MVS had that big game uh, last week for 99 yards, 10 targets, six receptions, but, that's not going to be a weekly thing um, there. They're, I think they could be in trouble when it comes to these big shootouts.
0: Well, that was one of the big things with MVS too. Like that was the the hard count from Aaron Rodgers. He got Denver to jump and just bombed it. And MVS ended up coming down with it. So that is something Aaron Rodgers does. You can't bank on stuff like that happening every week. But you take away that play and then everyone's pissed off. They started Marquez Valdez scantling.
1: Well, and the other thing is, too, is that their running game has really been that strong either. Like what happens when they run into a defense like, uh, you know, that's really strong against a run like we'll say like for the Bears, for example, like I think that's going to end up being a problem for them.
0: It could be, and even just looking how the snap shares ended up shaking out, and if you want to check out the entire list of running back snap shares for every team, you can find those on DKPlaybook.com, or if you go to the description of this video or podcast, you can find them there as well on the link. But Jamal Williams took over this backfield in terms of actually being on the field this week, which was really, really surprising and not great for Aaron Jones, owner 61% of the snaps for Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones only 39%. I don't know if that's something that's going to continue moving forward but I would I'm not going to hesitate to play Aaron Jones because he keeps coming through. He keeps producing fantasy points. He's getting the higher leverage touches, which lead to fantasy points per opportunity than Jamal Williams does. But there's going to be one of these games where he ends up with like five carries for seven yards and we just never see him again.
1: No, and I i think this is kind of one of those one offs because like, you know, I kind of compare it to the 49ers today um, from yesterday. Jeff Wilson coming in and vulturing those touchdowns at the goal line. I just don't feel like that's going to be the normal play from week to week. Like I think even last year, Aaron Jones was just so boomer bust. Like, I don't think, do we get that consistent play from Aaron Jones every week? I don't really think so. So I think it's a good change of place. And I think it also kind of alludes to how poor the receivers have been. They're just trying to mix in something to drive, to get some offense going. Cause quite frankly, they're not getting it from Aaron Rodgers or any of their receivers. I think only three receivers had targets in that game last week. It's just, they're, I think almost trying anything to get this offense going.
0: Yeah, and even something like Jimmy Graham, I know he's banged up. He played 4% of the snaps. Like, you should not be owning Jimmy Graham uh, if you still have There are capable guys out there still that you know might actually play a few snaps that you might want to use them instead. If he hadn't caught that touchdown in week one, the first touchdown of the season, then all of a sudden, like, no one would own Jimmy Graham, but he's still riding off that, killing people's fantasy teams week after week after week after week. Looking at it right now, you mentioned Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson has 18 carries this season. 13 of them have come inside the red zone and he leads the league tied yeah. with Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay for rushes inside the 5-yard line.
1: It's amazing cuz I mean 2 weeks ago this was somebody who was just on the practice squad like they're just kind of shooting him on the team like yeah you know you'll just kind of hang out or whatever but it's just I feel like this is one of the hardest running back groups to figure out like I thought I thought the Eagles were a difficult one to figure out but Jeff Wilson has the goal line option. He's made it work every time. Like there's been little to no resistance to him. He's just been cruising in every single time, but there's still this three headed monster here. And nobody really had a great game other beside Wilson with the touchdowns. Nobody really kind of stood out to me. That should be the number one back until we get Tevin Coleman back in the mix, at least.
0: I even when Tevin Coleman comes back, I don't know how confident you can ever feel in starting him because I think this is the path that they're going to take much like the Eagles that there's going to be three guys involved like Sproles led the Eagles in backfield snaps. This week, uh, Jordan Howard steals the touchdown. Sanders ends up having a good game because realistically of one long reception, but he puts the ball on the ground twice. If in an ideal world, and know this isn't going to be the case with everyone because not everyone just has great running backs. But if you could just not start Eagles or 49ers running backs ever, you'd be better off.
1: No, but I mean, honestly, if you're starting anyone right now, I think it's Wilson. Like, I don't want to start Wilson because he's not getting, a ton of, not getting a ton of snaps. He's not carrying the ball down the field. But if he's going to be like that Laguerre Blount who just comes in and takes the goal line work and then just head back to the bench, at least you're getting the points that you need. You know, you're going to get those quick hit points. But, yeah, it's to the point now I don't really want to start any of these guys. Like, I thought Raheem was going to be the one to start. He had a decent game, 12 carries, 79 yards. But if he's going to keep getting vultured at the goal line, I have no interest. And he had that fumble, too. That was brutal.
0: Yeah, well, the I mean, shout out to Tim Anderkust who hit his uh, free money teaser for the first time in like over a year. So that was really good. He needed the (laughs) 49ers to win outright. So when they turned the ball over like four times in the first half, it was looking like they were pretty cursed. They ended up coming through. They covered his teaser spread. They did not cover the overall spread in that game because Colonel Mostart put it onto the ground. Finally, let's just talk about the Rams a little bit. It, It was just funny watching that game. I was watching the Emmys at the same time and just like watching like the play would happen and I went back and watched it like the the supercut version that's super fast which is really if yeah. you want to go back and like watch I know like where i live uh DAZN has it you can just log on to DAZN and just watch all the games basically clipped up play by play by play by play by play it's fantastic but every time that Goff took like a five step drop and looked down the field everyone was open and i couldn't figure out how they weren't scoring points
1: yeah and this is just continuing with Jared Goff like I feel like he should be a lot better of a quarterback than he is. But every single week, it's just mediocre results after mediocre results. Like, and that's the other thing, too. Like, in these three wide receiver sets, it's Woods one week. It's Cooks the other week. It's Cooper Cup this week. It's never, like, a consistent. Like, there's no solidified wide receiver one. Like, coming into the year, thought it was going to be Robert Woods. Now the cup's back in the mix. He was more of the red zone threat. Now he's kind of being the more one, uh, the wide receiver one in this offense. But somehow, Goff never comes away with these huge games. It's it's kind of it's kind of confusing, a little mind boggling. But he's not consistent. He's not complete. He doesn't have a good completion uh, percentage on his passes. I want to like the Rams a lot more than I do, but every time I watch them, I'm just kind of like, man, eh, they look okay they just don't impress me at all. I don't know. Are you kind of in the same boat?
0: I, they're always going to have the Trump card of any time that they end up playing a defense or an offense that just has either a average to below average offensive line is that the defense is going to dominate that game. We saw it. They didn't have to to blitz against Baker in the Browns. They just unleashed Aaron Donald on the world and, that that's all really they needed. There's just QB pressure after QB pressure after QB pressure. Like, the other team's not going to score any points if that's the case. And Gurley looks not great, but – and to give the Browns some credit here, their offense looks like a disaster. Their their defense, despite missing half of it, actually looked pretty good. They're going to get at the quarterback. So – that will be a saving grace because it looks like the Ravens might run away with this division, but the Steelers aren't impressive. The Bengals aren't impressive that if those two teams are actually bad and the Browns can pile up wins against them, they still have an outside shot at the playoffs, I think.
1: I think the steel. I'm giving the Steelers a little more credit than you are. I, I know that Rudolph looked awful in the in first, the first half.
0: half. Yeah, in the second half, you but looked, out, he looked all right.
1: a lot better in the second half. Like, I, I, I still think that they can figure it out. Like, of all the teams in that division, I still think that they can figure it out. I, I think the Steelers still have a good chance at this division.
0: I mean, they're 0-3. It's, it's a tough rebound to come back and win a division or even make the playoffs at that point. It so rarely happens.
1: No, I and uh, for sure. But th- there's so many question marks in this conference, for, um, in this division, right? That's why I'm kind of still holding out hope for them. Not that I want them to, but well, I, mean, I still think some... It, it, it,
0: they would need to steal a game from the Ravens, sweep the Bengals and sweep the Browns. Then they actually have a chance, but I I'm very, I'm going to be very curious to see the first like Raven Steelers game and see how that ends up turning out. Cause I just yeah. think the Ravens are better.
1: No, they are. And even when we had, Uh, an offense that wasn't clicking as well as the first two weeks i mean they still held their own against the chiefs like you know we kind of saw lamar jackson revert back to his not so great passing abilities more to the you know what we expected him to be at you know just over 50 percent or so and they still got it done thanks to mark ingram you know realistically but i think mark ingram is just the key to this offense i mean he just looked phenomenal even if he's not getting the work so much in the passing game like He's just been like a brute force at the goal line. That's going to be the biggest difference for them when Lamar Jackson's not getting it done through the air. At least I can lean on Mark Ingram to get those carries because man, How he looks like a.
0: Dare you come on this show and say anything positive about Mark Ingram? <laughs> I'm going to find a new guest for next week.
1: I, you have to be realistic, though. Come on.
0: Yeah, you're banned for life. <laughs>
1: oh shit (laughs) how
0: dare you this is all setting up in classic mark ingram mode too everyone's gonna have all the faith in the world oh my god listen listen to you he's the best running back in football he can't be stopped and then you're gonna put all your faith in mark ingram he's gonna revert back into mark ingram who trips over the five-yard line and just falls down
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you know what when that happens you have your celebration. You you lay into me and tell me. Oh, yeah, I told I, I,
0: I I won't lay into you because you're currently banned from the show.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well. See you later, Steve. Um, three <laughs> running backs I want to talk to before we get into the waiver wire. One is Chris Carson who <laughs> i bet him uh, after i heard rashad penny was out i was like oh man over 16 and a half carries how doesn't this win well i'll tell you how that doesn't win uh you end up with eight carries in the first quarter you're like wow we're gonna smash this over prop uh he starts slipping all over the field and then puts the ball on the ground again and the saints actually returned this one for a touchdown so what do we do with chris carson like I don't know if Penny's going to be back this week or not, because he hurt himself on Friday. It's a hamstring injury. Timelines for hamstring would probably have him sitting out again this week, and they ended up going into full CGA Pro Sites mode, but they were down by so much in that game that they need their pass catching back on the field. Pro Sites ended up playing 55% of the snaps, Carson only 45%. <laughs> I think they go back to Carson again. I don't have a whole lot of faith that they do that, but if Penny sits, he's probably like when I do the ranking show tomorrow that I'd imagine I have him ranked like running back 19, running back 20. I,
1: I, I just don't think you can play him right now. Like ball security is such an issue. Like it reminds me of uh, Steven Ridley back in 2013 with the Patriots where he had a fumble and three straight. And that was kind of the end of the line for Stephen Ridley. But in, in a game where Penny was you know, non-factor, this was Chris Carson's game. Not only did he do absolutely nothing on the ground, He did himself no favors and fumbled again. Like I did not expect a game to have CJ ProSize carrying the ball four times. Granted, it wasn't a lot, but ProSize was a lot more involved in this game than I ever would have imagined.
0: Yeah. But if if this game was close, let's say, let's say they weren't down by 21 and 14. Most of the game, if the score was 17 to 14 in the third quarter, I think we would have saw Carson back on the field. I really do.
1: It's just, I mean, Pete Carroll loves running the ball. They love running the ball. So they're going to keep running them out there. Like, That's just how it's going to run. They're going to keep running him out there until Penny can overtake it. But, I mean, any other team, he's not on the fields. Yeah, well, this
0: this isn't any other team. So we have to assess what team he plays for when we think about this.
1: No, he'll be out there, and he'll be in your rankings. But for us, you can't play him. I I just don't see it. I don't see it at all.
0: What are you talking about? Like, uh, Let's say your options were Chris Carson or any of the San Francisco running backs next week, although they're not playing, so you probably don't want to play them. But either way, just (laughs) hypothetically, let's say the San Francisco was playing in week four. Would you want to play one of that group or one of the Eagles quarterbacks or one of the Bears running backs? Running backs. Yeah. Running backs. Or Chris Carson. At least Chris Carson has a path to be a top 10 guy if he's going to get the touches.
1: I I mean, he he is... (sighs) I just I I don't want to play. I mean I understand the logic, but I just even when he has the ball he doesn't look good. Doesn't break any tackles. It feels like he uh, I you know what this might be my Mark Ingram. That's kind of where I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't have the cred to start making calls like that. I'm not gonna lie. To <laughs>
1: You're right, this is my last show anyway, so. Yeah,
0: once you're banned for life, I find a new guest, we'll all be good. The second guy, Josh Jacobs. It appeared like his illness, his groin injury, and his hip injury really did catch up to him a lot in this game because there was a weird dash watching the game because it was basically unwatchable to sit down and look at it, you just noticed DeAndre Washington was on the field a lot, but he actually wasn't. It's just every time that he was on the field, he ended up getting a carry. It was actually Rocket Richard who was out there a bunch, because they were down by a million points, and Derek, Derek Kerr is so bad. Like, it, it's unbelievable. Like, he sucks you in with, like, these three good drives. You're like, oh, man, he's got to figure it out. Then he's throwing lob passes across his body, just floaters to the running back, like, behind the line of scrimmage. Like, man, what are you doing? Just throw the ball away at this point. Like, get this stuff figured out, Derek Carr. Uh, Jacobs had one impressive run. That was it. But he looked hampered, and I'm worried. Like, he's in the Chris Carson bucket of he should be the lead guy, but currently he is not. So projecting him forward, you can't have a ton of faith in him. I'm not – I would actually – if he's healthy and they're down in games, I still want to see it. But at this point, I just get the feeling that he's not going to be on the da- he's not going to be on the field for passing downs. If that's not the case, he's going to have some really really bad games.
1: Yeah, because I think he only had two targets in that game last week. It was Richard who ended up with three, which you know, obviously not that big of a difference. But I was a little surprised about the use of DeAndre Washington. He had ended up with six carries in that game for twenty two yards. Nothing phenomenal, but. Yeah, Jacobs just does not look good. You know, obviously the preseason hype was high on him. You know, this is somebody that they're looking to kind of get the offense going. I mean, obviously the offense has changed dramatically since you know this this is a preseason began began, but um yeah, Jacobs is another one that I think it's just going to be more matchup based for me because if Washington is going to start getting more run out there, he seems to be the more capable running back at this point. Not that there was a high bar to pass, but Washington's kind of creeping up there a little bit. Obviously, you know, Illness injuries could have definitely hampered Jacobs, but it's not like we haven't really seen much from him to begin with, anyways. When he's quote unquote fully healthy, so it's another one that is kind of an avoid for me, at least at this point. He just hasn't shown anything.
0: Yeah, but if you drafted Josh Jacobs, he's probably your running back two that you drafted. So unless you've picked someone up, I mean, you have to continue to run him back out there. I still think that his work inside the problem is the Raiders never get inside the ten yard line, but if they do, Jacobs <laughs> is the one getting the ball over and over and over.
1: Oh, no. I mean, I think he's still definitely their goal line guy, but he's not going to be someone who's going to be moving the sticks for them consistently. He just, at least at this point, he doesn't look like he has that capabilities.
0: I will. I think that Josh Jacobs ends up becoming a really nice buy low at the moment. Uh, Him and the next guy. I mean, Carson, there's just too many question marks, and I'm not quite sure what his value in the trade market would be. People are just furious with Josh Jacobs right now. But once he returns to full health, I think that he's probably a top 15 running back the rest of the season. The other guy is James Conner, who everyone seems to be out on, but... Now is the perfect week to go trade for James Conner. He's coming off a bad game. Uh, he's coming off the injury two weeks ago. So he wasn't hundred percent on Sunday, but the 49ers have made running backs look horrible so far this year. They shut down the Tampa running game week one. They shut down the Bengals running game week two. They shut down the Steelers running game week three. Now they don't have to play the 49ers anymore. Not only because they're not on by because they've already played them that, I just think that James Conner eventually gets himself back into this mix. He gets a connection with Mason Rudolph. They have to turn to the run a little bit more, and you're looking at a potential top 10 running back. He might not have the upside of a number one type guy, but he's going to end up with enough volume and enough work out of the backfield that all of a sudden James Conner is still going to be a very valuable fantasy asset. I know a lot of people today are thinking about benching James Conner. Go trade for James Conner and go talk to the pathetic guy who's 0-3 in your league. He'll give you James Conner for a bucket of balls at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it says a lot about the 49ers defense. Like, their box defense has been phenomenal so far. Like, their run defense is wonderful. Um, But even in a bad game for James Conner, he still ended up with 18 touches overall, which is more than Benny Snell. Jalen Samuels, complete non-factor, didn't have any touches. Uh, Snell had three carries in that game. So, Conner's still very much in the mix. He had the five targets, 13 carries. Just a really, really tough 49ers defense. I think once we start getting into a little bit of a softer matchups. I think we'll start to see more of Connor uh, coming through here. But Samuels is just a non-threat at this point. It feels like we were thinking maybe he would start to get in the mix more. But I think kind of this week was really the the nail in the coffin, at least for now. just Mike Tomlin just doesn't want to use him at all, if it looks like. So Connor's still their guy. They're still going to run with him. Obviously going through a lot of issues with the quarterback changing and all that, but I agree with you. I think this is such a perfect opportunity to buy low on James Conner. He's obviously very talented. We saw what he did last year. If you can get somebody at that type of talent in a much softer uh, match uh, schedule coming up, this is a perfect time to buy low.
0: Uh, let's see here. 68% of the snaps for James Conner, 26 for Jalen Samuels, 6% for Benny Snell against the 49ers. I mean, if he can stick around 70%, there are just so few guys that are on the field that much in the backfield that that does come with considerable value. Uh, last guy I want to talk about in the buy low, sell high market. This would definitely be a buy low. Fournette doesn't look good whatsoever. He played 100% of the snaps on Thursday night. So I'm just curious, like, if you could trade him – or trade for him, and he could be your running back too. Like, you have to give up running back two value for him, not the running back one that he was basically drafted as. They have like high upside running back two, low-end running back one. That's where he was going in the preseason. That's the notion that people have in their minds. But anyone that drafted him that way isn't super psyched about Leonard Fournette at the moment, and maybe he's not going to be great, but I would put in a low-ball offer for him because volume breeds fantasy points, no matter how good or bad someone is. Yep. I'll always take the guy that gets the 20 to 25 touches who's not good over the really good guy who gets four touches a game. Like that, It's just basic math that eventually you're going to fall into fantasy points if that's the case. And especially in PPR formats where he's still getting work out of the backfield, just because he's on the field so much. He's basically like the homeless man's Nick Chubb right now.
1: <laughs> That's a great comparison. But yeah, I mean, he still, he had eight targets that last game. He had 15 carries. Like he's still getting utilized. But one of the things that I was thinking of even during the preseason and during the off season, as you know, when they d- traded for Nick Foles, this was going to be more of a pass heavy offense. Obviously with Blake Bortles, you can't pass because he can't hit anybody. But Minchu Walk, I mean, he's look, look great. Like he's been hitting guys. DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook is completely taking a step back. But you know, this definitely seems like a more pass heavy offense. But there's I think there's definitely gonna be games where it will be a four net game. I mean, we saw him really just kind of dismantle the Titans and not a it was an ugly game overall, but I mean they beat them by thirteen. The opportunities for Fournette to get touches are going to be there, especially in PPR formats. Like you mentioned, he's getting a lot of work out of the backfield. So I I still think he's he's a viable option. He's definitely an RB2. He's not an RB1 anymore. I don't anticipate him to be an RB1 during the season. But like you said, 100% of the snaps, that's a very rare commodity that you can pick up on. So...
0: Yeah, and a, lot like- of, and a lot of this just has to do with narrative surrounding him as well. Leonard Fournette is slow. Leonard Fournette is fat. Leonard Fournette sucks. Like, if that's the prevailing narrative that you just constantly hear about, I mean, he might not be good, and he might be overweight, but, hey, he can still have fantasy value at the same time, that his market is lower than it should be right now if you want to acquire him for a trade. That's all I'm saying. Uh, like, if you—I'm trying to think of, like, a receiver to trade for him right now. Like, You could probably maybe trade like with Josh Gordon back on the upswing. They're not going to blow up the Jets every single week. There's no Antonio Brown. I think Josh Gordon's good. Like, I'm not saying like drop Josh Gordon, but I would trade him for Leonard Fournette right now.
1: No, I mean, I think, I mean, especially when you're trading a guy in the Patriots offense for somebody in the Jaguars offense, I mean, people who are, you know, down in their league, I'm like, Ooh, you know, that kind of looks good too. Especially right now too, with the potential injury to Julian Edelman, this could be a good time to do something like that.
0: Yeah, and maybe even if Gordon breaks, I I, I don't think that Julian Edelman's going to miss too much time. It looks like he's actually going to play no. in Week Four, so we'll, we'll end up seeing how that goes. But I think like that sort of range of receiver, or even if Scary Terry goes off in the Monday Night or catches two touchdowns or something like that. I mean, I think that he's good, but I would trade him for Leonard Fournette.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, for okay. sure. I, uh, but the you, names, but the names, I that
0: I, the names that I'm throwing out are like sort of the range where leonard fournette is going right now because people are so out on him that he is like a legitimate buy low
1: no i i agree i I, like i said i I don't think he's going to be more than an rb2 at this point but the volume is there so that volume is always king
0: as most of us have found out the hard way getting into debt easy getting out is hard especially if your fico score isn't great thankfully now there's upstart.com the revolutionary lending platform that knows You're more than just a credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off your high interest credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. I could have used this back, you know, 10 years ago after I had graduated and someone could have invested in me. But hey, here we are now. Upstart believes you're more than just a credit score. They believe in you and they understand that. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. The best part, once the loan's approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. The next day, over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund their wedding, or to make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with upstart see why upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on trust pilot and hurry to upstart.com mayo to find out how low your upstart rate is checking your rate only takes a few minutes and won't affect your credit that's upstart.com slash mayo m-a-y-o all right, let's get into the injuries and waiver wire at running back for week four, the biggest injury, obviously. Saquon Barkley, high ankle sprain, now reported he's going to miss four to eight weeks. Not great for my main league, I'm not going to lie to you, because I took Barkley number one overall, so... Uh... That's bad news. Uh, Damian Williams missed Week 3. He's questionable for Week 4. Shady exited from Week 3. He's also questionable for Week 4. Devin Singletary missed Week 3. He's questionable for Week 4 at this point. Tevin Coleman's still going to be out another two to four weeks. They're on bye week. Rashad Penny, he sat with a hamstring problem in Week 3. No word yet on Week 4. I'd say he, he's 50-50 to play at best. Uh, and then Edo Smith, the concussion, I'll throw out the same thing. Probably 50-50. We'll get news all about that throughout the week. My waiver wire column will update it it's a it's a living document steve that once injuries happen and once we get some more concrete news all that stuff is going to update so keep an eye on that as the rankings will change all the way up until tuesday night once we get more information but right now number one in the waiver wire power rankings i have wayne gullman so here's the question with him and it's him and there's no one else really there's just the same retreads that we've seen every single week except for like daryl yeah. williams and that's all going to depend on the health of damian williams and LeSean McCoy. But Wayne Gallman what are the chances that he ends up being the starter for the entire time that Saquon Barkley is out or like they have Elijah Penny on this team it's not going to be him so it's going to be Gallman or do you think that they go out and sign someone else so if you spend like most of your fab budget to go and get Gallman for these four games and then after one week they sign Jay Ajayi off the street and he's all of a sudden the starter you're gonna feel like an idiot
1: yeah, that, that's I think is the biggest worry right now because I was surprised because Barkley was out early He only had one carry in the red zone and it's not like the Giants weren't in the red zone during this game here uh, only five carries overall when Barkley was out there. So I don't think the outlook for him is good. I mean, he's just not good period Like there's no scenario where you're like oh, I gotta get him other than he's probably gonna be the starter at least for the next couple of weeks but I mean He's got a decent matchup coming up against, the, against the, um, the Redskins. They've allowed over 100 yards already to the Eagles and the Cowboys. We'll see how they fare against the Bears tonight. But he's just, I mean, I wouldn't feel great about putting him in my lineup. Like, I get that he's going to be the starter. He's gonna, probably going to have the lion's share of the snaps, but he sucks. How else do you say it? Like, he flat out sucks.
0: Well, when we get to this point, you hate Josh Jacobs. You hate Chris Carson. You hate Wake Who are you starting in fantasy? Honestly.
1: okay well Carlos Hyde who's on your list if he's still out there like I think he's actually one of the more enticing options especially because Duke Johnson has been an absolute non-factor like when Duke Johnson was traded to the Texans it felt like this was going to be a spot where you'd get some of the receiving work but neither is getting the receiving work so I think if Hyde is still available I think he's the more attractive attractive option right now he's leading in this and the snaps um he's got a Panthers uh matchup in week four who didn't have a I don't think that's a tough matchup for him either. I think Carlos Hyde is probably the more attractive option at this point if he's still available.
0: So you would – like if you lost Saquon Barkley today and both those guys were available, you pick up Carlos Hyde before you picked up Wayne Gallman. That's interesting.
1: Well, I mean uh, – so being realistic, like do you see a scenario where Gallman's going to bring back any type of value? Like he's not going to be someone who's going to go rush 100 yards or whatnot – they didn't use like the biggest thing that was I was surprised was that he didn't get he only had one carry in the red zone. Yeah,
0: but like, like was, but, but who cares? They were de- like when he entered the game and Berkeley got hurt, they were down by twenty points. How how much did you, you know, expect I, him to run? I understand
1: run? that, but even when this game was closer, he was not even he was a non-factor.
0: I listen. He ended up being on the field for sixty three percent of the snaps in this game. I don't think that he's a top ten option, but eventually you have to start someone. And he is an option that's going to end up being at least presumably for one week. And we'll see how it goes. The workhorse in this offense, not a great offense, but looks significantly better with just a more athletic quarterback under center. Maybe his mobility can open up some running lanes. Uh, We didn't quite see that with Barkley early on, but it was very early on in that game. And Tampa actually has a really good run defense. So they've shut down running backs all three weeks so far that I think that Gallman, if you could tell me that he was going to start the next four weeks, I'd probably spend like, as much as it took of my fab dollars to get him, especially because I just lost Saquon. If I didn't just lose Saquon and I have two capable options, maybe that is a scenario where you mentioned that Wayne Gallman is not that good. We don't know what his talent is. It's probably below average versus above average. If it comes down to it, that you're not forced into that position, but Carlos Hyde has been there for three weeks and no one has pounced on him. And frankly, he did, he also isn't very good. So at least give me a situation with Wayne Gallman where at least he's going to have some upside because although Duke Johnson's not touching the ball a ton, he's on the field a ton.
1: Well, the other thing too about Gallman that I worry about too, is that the giants haven't had a, a quarterback that can rush the ball in years. And I think that's going to be a factor too, because obviously Daniel Jones can rush the ball. We saw him do so. He rushed in for two touchdowns yesterday as well. Like that's a factor that I think we're not taking into consideration because it's always been Eli Manning. Obviously Eli Manning is not that type of quarterback, but I think that kind of changes up the perception of this Giants offense as well. And I think that's something to consider, um, you know, when, when making those decisions.
0: I think that's a good thing for Wayne Gallman. That That's a good thing for any running back to have a mobile quarterback under center.
1: I mean, you're not wrong. I, 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 just, I have no faith in Gallman. I like, I feel like if they're, if they're not gonna, if they're not happy with how he looks, the fr- they can easily go out and sign somebody else. I just don't see him being the starter until Barkley comes back.
0: Now I got to think about how much I'm going to spend on him, fab wise. <laughs> 55 bucks, I guess. Like, cause I had Tevin Coleman as my backup, but he hurt. That I had Edo Smith, and he hurt. So it's not looking great for the old... The old pa- I, was, I was cruising, 3-0, and feeling good. And now all my players are injured. So it's, it's not great news. My best player is injured, which uh, I hear is not great for your fantasy prospects. That I might have to patchwork together. Wayne Gallman in there. But I would use my number one waiver priority on him, like I mentioned off the top of the show. Like, if you just have waiver priority, very rarely do you see these opportunities come up where you can just grab someone like this off the waiver wire if we're digging deeper a lot of people own darwin thompson because we just assumed he was the number three running back turns out that's not the case uh it's daryl williams that regardless of whether damian williams or shady ends up playing and at least one of the two should probably play if not both of the guys should play next week at detroit that williams seems like he's almost a must own to have on your bench in case anything happens to these guys
1: no, and he looked good. And I was actually surprised because the appeal with Darwin Thompson is like, I can c- catch out of the backfield. He didn't receive a single target. And that was pretty surprising because this was a pretty close game overall. So you figured that the game script relief was in Thompson's favor. But yeah, it was Darrell Williams, who was the one that was, you know, taken over here. You know, LeSean McCoy wasn't on the field for much when he was, he kind of made a count. He had that touchdown, but Even I saw that tweet when he was walking into the stadium. He just completely looked hobbled. I was surprised that, you know, they obviously scaled him back. His snaps were scaled back because of that. But Darrell Williams looked good, and they just the Chiefs keep seeming to find these guys. They can just pick out of the back and be like, yep, you're going to throw me in the starters now, and they go in and excel. Like, they just have a plethora of options. It feels like they can just plug and play, and it ends up working well. But, yeah, Thompson is really unattractive at this point. I figured he'd get some more work, Uh, I mean, other than the four carries that he had. No targets, so. That was actually uh, I was pretty surprised about that. I know Williams does have the capabilities to catch, but I thought that was going to go to Thompson.
0: Well, if you were someone who had Thompson on your roster and you were stashing him for later in the season or if injuries popped up, would you just make that switch right now? Because I would.
1: Yeah, I I definitely would. I mean, at least how how, how things are breaking out right now. McCoy's obviously hurt. We have to see what it was going to be with Williams. But even if McCoy ends up being out, yeah, you know, Darrell Williams looks like he'll be the direct RB2 behind Damien if he's back in. And, you know, obviously Damien hasn't looked like anything special either. I mean, I'm not saying we're in a, you know, a a competition here already, but Damien hasn't showed that flashiness, that effectiveness that we saw at the end of last year that kind of brought him into the RB1 role uh, for this season.
0: Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy will continue to split carries if both of them are healthy at the moment. Maybe we get more mixed in with Darrell Williams, and maybe he ends up playing like 10 to 15% of the snap and monopolizing that little segment uh, of the offense. But I think if the other two guys are healthy, those are the two that they're rolling with.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, if they're both healthy, yeah. The, the, you know, Darrell's probably not even really in the mix. Uh, that, that would not be a no-brainer. But at least at how it looks right now, Darrell's definitely worth a consideration
0: uh wide receivers the biggest injuries at the position Julian Edelman and his ribs x-rays came back negative he should play in week four against the Bills T.Y. Hilton exited the game with a quad injury he's iffy for week four and we'll talk about the Colts guys here in a second Michael Gallup still going to miss another one to four weeks with his knee injury Traquan's Trey smith is still out three to five weeks, so he might almost coincide with the time that Drew Brees ends up coming back. Still no word on when A.J. Green's ever going to be back, but it could be this week. It could be seven weeks from now. I don't know. Uh, until we hear more reports out of that, I haven't missed two to six weeks. Tyreek Hill is going to miss another two to six weeks. Elshon Jeffrey could play on Thursday night. Those are the early rumors, but with a calf injury. I mean, we've seen Albert Wilson be kept out for 3 games. It'd be kind of surprising if he ended up going on a short week, but he has far more chance. He has a far more likely chance to play than Deshaun Jackson does with his groin injury in week 4 on the short week. De'Marius Thomas hamstring, the Jets are on bye, so I wouldn't worry about that. Richard Higgins uh, the knee injury, he ended up missing week three again. Uh, Alan Hearns took the biggest shot of week three. Oh. Pro- probably won't see him for a while. Not that you were using him anyway. <laughs> uh, Trent Taylor was placed on IR, and that is everyone. So the waiver wire pickups for the week uh, DJ Chark continues to remain out there in fewer than 60% of leagues, so he's number one. Hardman is number two. Uh, I only have Hardman at number two behind Chark, is that when Tyreek Hill comes back, Hardman's still going to play in this offense, but Hill yeah. is going to take a lot away from the Robinsons and Hardmans of the world Uh, just straight up Uh, Philip Dorsett now with no Antonio Brown Nelson Aguilar he should be good for another week Golden Tate is really the interesting one here for me he's gonna be back in week five once he's done from suspension I could even move him up higher because we know there's a shelf life with Aguilar once Deshaun Jackson and Elshon Jeffrey are both back Aguilar gets pushed off to the side once again so Chark is likely owned in the most competitive leagues if he's not you go get him same as Hardman but if you, it was between you and you had to stash Golden Tate for a week or go up and pick up Philip Dorsett right now who should be a pretty integral part of this offense even with a banged up Edelman or not a banged up Edelman he's going to be on the field between those two which one do you like better?
1: Uh, it's definitely Philip Dorsett for me. Um, 30, 30 snaps out of the slot, 40 wide last week, 70 snaps total. And obviously with Antonio Brown out of the mix, you know his role kind of expands once again. He, when Antonio Brown was playing that one game, we will always remember, uh, he only drew three targets. Uh, then he had seven this week here. And then he hasn't drawn any red zone targets, but that's because all three of his touchdowns have come out of the red zone. He has two for 25, uh, one for 58, His matchup this week isn't great against the Bills. Uh, You know, he's going to face Tredavious White, Levi Wallace in coverage. So this isn't a great week, but moving forward, the Patriots have one of the softest schedules probably in the league. Uh, He's going to be very much involved in this offense, even if Edelman is healthy, even if Gordon is healthy. We saw it last season. Dorsett really came alive at the end of the year uh, in the playoffs. He was a big threat for in the red zone that Tom Brady liked to throw to. So, Philip Dorsett makes a lot of sense here. Like, I feel like the buzz on him should be higher, but because of all the circuits with the Patriots right now, just been kind of under the, uh, swept under the rug. But I think Dorsett is in a really, really good spot. The only thing I'm not sure about with Golden Tate, obviously with Daniel Jones under center, it makes a massive, massive difference. But obviously Sterling Shepard is their primary slot receiver. Are they going to play Tate in the slot, or are they going to move Tate to the outside you know, with the Eagles in 2018, he only played 27 percent, 27 percent of his snaps out of the slot. So it's not really a position that he's accustomed to. So I'm, I, I'm curious where they are planning on playing him because I think that's going to make a little bit of a difference.
0: I think that they'll push Sterling Shepherd to the outside for sure. Like if you have Golden Tate and you're not playing him in the slot, what are you doing with Golden Tate on your team?
1: No, well that's why I thought the the signing was. Obviously, the the talent is going to overtake it there, but you know Sterling Shepard has kind of had a lock on that slot, uh, that slot role, and now you're bringing in someone who basically had that with the Eagles. So, talent wise, yes, it makes total sense. But you know, you got two guys who are kind of butting head at the same position.
0: Yeah, and he's going to have super steroid strength when he comes back too. So you can't overlook that. <laughs> he's going to be faster and stronger than ever before
1: even faster than Cooper cup who came back from a torn ACL. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the rest of the guys on the list, I guess we can talk a little, I mean, it's a lot of the same retreads as the week before new people kind of cracking the rankings there are all the Colts receivers. And that completely hinges on T Y Hilton. I think you're right that the both tight ends actually see the biggest uptick in market share if anyone's out, but I would go with Zach Pascal is probably my favorite option. Uh, Just would he crack the top 10 for probably not, but like, Adventures of Superman, Dion Kane is actually playing the most snaps of any of these guys. <laughs> that it's really, I don't know, do you have any take on the Colts receiving situation? Like, you you mentioned Paris Campbell as well, the Frenchman, you have to steal the American touchdown, but I would not feel good about starting any of these guys.
1: I actually would take uh, Preston Williams over all three of them. Uh, Preston Williams had 12 targets uh, last week. Look, obviously Josh Rosen is... It hasn't looked good, but at least I feel better about him under center than Ryan Fitzpatrick. At least, you know, Rosen can get some decent throws off. Obviously, he was looking towards Williams a lot last week. So I actually don't mind Preston Williams. I'd rather take him over the Colts receivers just because when T.Y. Hilton's back, that's it. Like, you know, it's going to be very minimal for all three of these receivers. And even when T.Y. Hilton was out. No one really, get, you know, emerges at number one here. Like I said, and, and you said, too, it was the tight ends that got more attention than the receivers. All three of the receivers, Kane, Pascal, Petty, all had three targets apiece. So it's not like he was really going towards one in particular. So I actually would take Preston Williams over all three of those guys.
0: Yeah, I think I will as well. I'll rank Preston Williams at least above them, but I do worry that once Hearns is back and once Albert Wilson is back, that does cut into his playing time a little bit. We'll see, though. He does look supremely talented. This is a situation as a pickup, especially if you don't need to play a guy this week at receiver, that you do bank on talent and hopefully the role expands and then he becomes a week-to-week starter. Like Chasing volume at receiver is a lot tougher than chasing it at running back. It's almost the exact opposite approach where you take the super talented guy and be like, you know what? He doesn't even, need a bunch of opportunity to do good work in fantasy if he gets more then all of a sudden he can be an impact player where you're right with these colts guys they all played on like chester rogers thrown into that mix as well all played roughly 45 to 50 percent of the snaps so they're just interchanging these guys in out in out in out you know clockwork orange style i suppose but if hilton's back none of these guys are viable whatsoever so yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be with you on that one i like that call the only other guy that just kind of stuck out to me and it was all because of this john ross fumble john ross puts the ball onto the ground he was highly targeted in the first half he still ended up playing 100 percent of the Bengals' offensive snaps but damon willis did absolutely nothing he didn't even see the field in this game and all of a sudden Auden tate is on the field seeing 11 targets for the Bengals. i legit didn't know who this guy was like, he was not on my radar I, I, at all. And I'm like, Tate, what the hell is Tate? I was like, is, is it like, go- so is, it, is, is it is, is, is a Golden Tate wearing one of those fake mustaches? And that's what he's doing? <laughs> like, during his suspension? I don't know. But, like, is this something we should take seriously? Because he played 89% of the snaps. He had 11 targets. and I put know, up I, good work against the league's best defense.
1: He did. And it, when, they, when I saw that he was catching uh, footballs, I was like, who the hell is this? Like, I thought maybe I just missed something. But, yeah. Tate all of a sudden just shows up, gets 10 targets, catches six for 88 yards. I, I don't have a read on him. Like, I, does anybody have a read on him? Like, I don't even know this guy existed until he started catching um, passes from a Razor Um, I, I feel like it just might be a fluke. I just, you know, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, these are the top two options in the, in the offense here. I mean, at least give it another week. I just want to see what the plan is here. Because, uh, yeah, that totally threw me for a loop. Like I said, I didn't even know this guy existed until uh, about one thirty yesterday.
0: Yeah, well, I thought it was Brandon Tate. I was like, well, the Bengals used to have Brandon Tate. I know that he left. Is he back? Like, he couldn't catch the last time around. What's going on here? Yeah, Auden Tate. That's a guy who saw double-digit targets in week three. Fantasy's fun sometimes.
1: Oh, for sure. And is it Auden Tate? How did we miss that one?
0: Yeah, just whew, right over our heads. Let's talk about tight ends. There's clearly one tight end to go pick up if you don't have him. So the injuries, Vance McDonald hurt his shoulder. He left the game questionable for week four. Eleanor Higby, he missed week three. He's questionable for week four with a chest problem. Jordan Reed might have to retire, so that's disappointing. Virgil Green hurt his groin for the Chargers. He exited the game, did not return. No tight end was targeted from Phillip Rivers in that game. Uh, And David Njoku with his concussion and his wrist has been placed on injured reserve. Demetrius Harris will get the lion's share of tight end work, at least in the receiver. Even game. we Joku is out in the Browns offense. Now creator of Mickey mouse, Walt Disney. He's the number one pickup. I think he has seven touchdowns in his last nine games. I think it is. Maybe it's eight games. He's just been fantastic in the red zone. That is who Russell Wilson turns to. And now he's playing Arizona who has been the worst team against tight ends so far this season. So it's setting up for Will Disney chalk week and him to have like zero points and Nick Vanette to score three touchdowns, but even consistently like week after week after week, he's probably going to be like a top 12 guy. So you pick him up and you use him if you don't have a tight end.
1: Yeah. And his, and his snap counts continue to grow every week, all three weeks, he's gone up uh, with his snaps. Like I said, three, tu- three touchdowns already. No one's really kind of dominating in red zone targets so far for the Seahawks It's actually been Chris Carson, who's been handling most of the red zone work. Uh, you know, Wilson has been throwing as much in the red zone so far, but yeah, Disley has just been his guy. I think he caught that touchdown with almost no time remaining. Some garbage time touchdown. Uh, uh, Ste- act.
0: Steven, Steven, they all count.
1: They do. No, they do. You're right. You're right. But it was a little tilting for someone who didn't have many uh, shares of him. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, I mean, he's been the guy for him here. One name I did like on your list was uh, Chris Herndon. I, I, just coming I, off. I,
0: I have him number two this week. They go on by. He's suspended another game, but his return should coincide with Darnold's return. And Darnold likes throwing to the silver yeah. spooner. Chris Hund in the fourth.
1: Well, what's interesting about him is uh, last season, he had an 18.2 red zone target share uh, when Darnold was under center last season. So he likes using him in the red zone that led all tight end, which isn't that great because I, don't, I couldn't even name three tight ends uh, from the jets over the last five seasons, but if he's going to get that type of looks again, if it coincides with Darnold coming back, yeah, he's definitely someone that you could pick up and plug in uh, for the time being because, you know, we're getting, you know, a little bit later into the season. Tight end injuries are already starting to pile up a little bit. This is not a strong week for tight ends either if you miss out on Disney. So I think uh, Herndon is actually a really good call. I was actually uh, very impressed
0: yeah oh well thank you very much i mean flattery's not going to get you unbanned from the show but herndon yeah if you have the room to stash him and you have like, like if you have travis kelsey you don't need to pick up chris herndon if you have Zach Ertz, you don't no. need to pick up Chris Herndon. But if you're dealing with like if you were running out Vance McDonald or something like that and Will Disley's already gone, or you pick up Will Disley and you have another bench spot, pick up Herndon at the same time. Maybe he ends up being better. It's hard to project that far forward, but I do think that he could be a fringe top ten guy once Darnold is back, once he is back. And he has super steroid strength too, I think. Or it was a DUI for him. I can't remember. All these things I think get it's very D- confusing. Why? I'm trying to think of the other Jets tight ends. They have Ryan Griffin now. They had Canadian golfer Ian Leggett as one of their tight ends at one point. So no. Yeah,
1: really? Oh Austin Safari
0: Jenkins. Oh yeah. There's three right there. Jordan Leggett, Austin Safari Jenkins. Right. Yeah, it's great. Good good for him. Oh, <laughs> uh, should I I have Vernon Davis at number three? Should I have the Colts guys higher? Because Ebron and Jack Doyle are both available in most leagues. That should I have both those guys above Vernon Davis? Or is the fact that Jordan, Jordan Reed might retire good enough to have Vernon Davis at three?
1: I mean, at least Ebron has the uh, red zone upside. You know, obviously he's good for those every once in a while. Uh, Jack Doyle was more of like a Andrew Luck pet you know, Prescott hasn't really been going his way at all. I, I would probably prefer Ebron over Jack Doyle. But, again, it just hinges so much on Hilton. If Hilton's in there, it just – the offense kind of goes through him and Marlon Mack. So, uh, I wouldn't hate an Ebron one because, like I said, he at least is good for a touchdown here and there. But I, I, I like Hurden a lot. I think, actually, that's something that could uh, end up being uh, working out pretty well as the season goes on. For the most part, Prescott hasn't been looking towards the tight ends other than this last game.
0: Yeah, so maybe that their value is completely tied to the health of T.Y. Hilton. I guess we'll end up finding out. The only other guy was Dawson Knox. Hard Knox. Josh Allen loves himself. A big Knox right around the goal line, it turns out.
1: Yeah, he had a pretty long catch, too. I think it was at least over 30 yards. Oh, yeah. um...
0: Did you know how he got it? Because he caught like a mid-range one and just went stiff arms down the field. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I didn't actually catch the catch but uh visually i can see that happening but uh here's another one that just kind of creeped up and i was like oh i guess i missed that one completely but um you know there's just uh, i we haven't seen alan go through his tight ends much either it's been running through brown running through uh cole beasley and such so that's a that's a fringe one i think the other options that are more readily available are more attractive
0: yeah, it's like Disley, you pick him up. He's someone that you can continuously yeah. play week after week until you can't anymore. Herndon, a stash, hopefully someone that you can play week after week once he returns. And the rest of the guys are basically streaming options. Yep, for sure. All right. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, easy three ways to do so. Smash the like button for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, not the live chat the comment section tell me how much of your fab budget you would spend on wayne gallman this week i'm genuinely curious because it's a decision that i need to make so maybe i'll just copy someone else's answer and that's what i'll bid and see if i end up getting him and maybe it turns out you don't want to get him i don't know it's a very tough situation to be in if you're floundering because you had saquon barkley as your first overall pick and now you have no running back so you might be in desperation mode I don't know, but what would you spend (laughs) fab-wise on him? If you rate, review, and subscribe, and download the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, rate five stars, leave your DraftKings handle and something nice about the show, you too will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. Third giveaway for 20 DK bucks, follow me on Instagram at the PME, instagram.com slash the PME. The SnapShare photo is up there right now. Give it a quick heart after you give me a quick follow and leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. You too will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks streaming quarterbacks for week four number one thought percent looked pretty good man and now he's at home against oakland that seems like a pretty good matchup to me
1: i was surprised it wasn't daniel jones though um because when you look at what the oakland has allowed to opposing quarterbacks the numbers are a little bit skewed because it was joe flacco whatever patrick mahomes there's all the production right there and kirk cousins so you know have they really been tested too much with opposing quarterbacks? And then obviously the health of Hilton makes a big difference too, as well. Uh, Oakland is not very strong against opposing tight ends. So if you like that, then obviously that brings some appeal, but uh, come on, man, this is Daniel Jones.
0: Listen, Daniel Jones looks super impressive. I enjoy what he can do with his legs on the ground. Very Josh Allen esque. but it's one game. There's, there's now, there's there's, there's now, there's now, here's the thing. There's now tape on Daniel Jones.
1: No, and that is very true. So I could be completely wrong or I could be very right. Uh, but, I mean, if I'm, choo- if I'm choosing between who to stream here, I just feel like Daniel Jones is the top option here. Like, I, I know jo- Jacoby Brissett has looked great, but I don't love him as much when Hilton's not in the lineup. I think that makes a massive difference here. If Hilton's in, then, yeah, I think you have a case for Jaco- Jacoby Brissett to be the top streaming option. But at least as it stands as of Monday at 2.18 p.m., it's Daniel Jones for me
0: yeah I you're right the, the health of T.Y. Hilton will factor into this so hopefully we do know at least have an indication of what his status is going to be like for week four before actually having to make this decision it feels like if you're taking Daniel and I have Daniel Jones at number two it's Brissette then Daniel Jones Stafford at home against Kansas City Kyle Allen at Houston Case Keenum at the Giants Mason Rudolph at home against Cincinnati then Minchu Walk at Denver tougher matchup for him but hey he completes like 90 percent of his passes so who cares Brissette's almost like in that same vein right now where he's completing such a high Percentage of his passes 15 for 15 to start the week I believe it was uh in week one that oh it's a good matchup against Oakland like you said against tight ends they're not going to do anything and I don't think the Colts are just going to say you know what we're going to run 87 times like the Vikings did uh maybe they end up doing that I don't know but if Hilton is healthy I'd feel more comfortable with at least the floor of Jacoby Brissett where if you use Daniel Jones it feels like in hearts you're trying to shoot the moon and if you get it nope, and you I, win I, I... if you get it you win if not you're getting 25 points put on you real quick <laughs>
1: No, but I, I agree though. I, you know, obviously we don't know what the floor is for Daniel Jones. He looked great, uh, you know, but against the Buccaneers, so you know, not like the Redskins are going to give much resistance to begin with, anyways. But you know, we kind of saw the slow start that Mason Rudolph had in the first half of the game uh, last week as well. Then he kind of picked it up, but yeah, because you know, obviously you and I were both very high on Mason Rudolph picking up the stream or whatnot, and he didn't come whoa, out looking whoa, whoa, out as great. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. As- whoa. Let's hold on for a second. I don't believe we were both really high on Mason Rudolph.
1: As a stream for last week?
0: Yeah. I had him, I believe, ranked eighth best possible stream.
1: I'll go back and look at that.
0: We said in two quarterback leagues. Yeah, you liked him. You said in two quarterback leagues, you pick him up because he's going to start the rest of the year and every quarterback has value in two quarterback leagues. However, like last week, no, no with Mason Rudolph. Come on, man. Don't put I make so many shitty calls to begin with. You don't need to give me extra ones.
1: (laughs) Well, to be fair... Why I liked him a lot is because if you're going to attack the 49ers defense, it's against slot receivers. So obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster makes a lot of sense. So that was one of the reasons why I was so high on Mason Rudolph. And obviously, they connected later in the game, but at least that was the sense that I made.
0: All right. Streaming defenses for week four. Uh, Indy is at home against Oakland. I like that one the best because, hey, just play Oakland. That'll turn out well. Uh, Houston at home against Carolina. A lot of people dropped the Texans' defense last week when they played the Chargers. You can fire them up against Kyle Allen, who's bound to make some bonehead decisions. The Ravens at home against Cleveland. They, too, were dropped on mass playing Kansas City. The Panthers at Houston. Deshaun Watson just takes a bunch of sacks. Steelers at home against Cincinnati. I'm thinking about moving the Seahawks up, though, just because Kyler Murray just gets pounded into the ground over and over and over again. Like, where would you rank the Seahawks defense of this collection?
1: I actually might move them up to two just because of that reason. Like, Murray's just getting annihilated back there. You know, it's it's like we mentioned earlier, it's great that he's starting to run the ball a little bit more, but he's just leaving himself open and he's going to get absolutely crushed there. And Seattle's defense has been really good. And I mean, from a, you know, from a season-long perspective, but they're getting the turnovers. Murray's going to turn over the ball. We've seen it numerous times already. Put it in with the sack potential. I think Seahawks are number two for me.
0: I'm going to move them to number three. I'll go Indy, Houston, Seattle. Just Houston's defensive line should just be a nightmare for Carolina. And I know Kyle Allen looked against one of the worst defenses in the league. Don't know how he's going to look when there's just a lot of pressure in his face.
1: No, and I think that's something that we're going to have to find out too, as well, because I—that was actually the point I was going to make. He wasn't facing a very resistant defense last week, so uh, this is going to be a truer test for him. I really like the Ravens against the the Browns. Like Baker Mayfield's already been sacked eleven times. He's already thrown five interceptions. He's barely completed over fifty percent of his pass attempts over the last two weeks. And I know the Ravens secondary is a little beat up. They didn't have Jimmy Smith and whatnot, but. You know, if they're a little bit more healthy this week, I think that's a really good spot for them too. The Browns offense is just really struggling with other than Nick Chubb, it feels like. And if Mayfield's going to have issues completing the ball, I'm sorry, completing his passes this week once again, think the Ravens could be a good play as well a lot of good options on defense this week
0: yeah I think those those top four and even Carolina at Houston just because Houston gives up so many sacks but then you have to contend with Deshaun Deshaun Watson will throw a 60-yard laser strike for a touchdown and look amazing then he'll do that thing where he throws the ball inexplicably into the ground behind him like he did against the Chargers as well He's he's a very fantasy friendly guy for both offenses and defenses but I do think those top four Indy Houston Seattle and Baltimore are all just really good plays and probably crack my top 10 defenses this week and the other two are probably for deeper leagues carolina and the steelers just both pretty reasonable matchups for their skill sets versus the other team's weaknesses
1: Yep, and like I said, I think there's just a lot of options at defense here uh, this week. I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys, any of those defenses you have in the top four. I think you know if you miss out on one of them, you'll be fine with one of the other ones. I do like the. I didn't hit it on the Colts, but I do like the Colts a lot. There, Carr's already taken seven sacks. Uh, Indy has been make, has made eight sacks already too as well. So they'll definitely get pressure on Carr. and uh, especially with the running game having issues as well. That's not a bad thing if Carr's going to have to keep throwing the ball.
0: All right, Steve Buchanan. Any final thoughts? As we head into week four or potentially on week three?
1: Well, I mean, what's my stats for next week? I think that's most important.
0: No, you're banned for life, unless you can give us some winners here. Let's, let's talk about the Monday Nighter just very quickly. Uh, the line is up to five and a half now. So it's Washington minus or Washington plus five and a half at home against the Bears. Uh, I Washington's the last part of my Super Seven this week. So if I, they come yep. through, I go five and two in Super Seven. I'm not feeling so bad about myself despite a pretty bad spread picks week. But who do you like in this game for starters? Because I do like the five and a half with Washington.
1: I was actually really enticed by the Washington, and then parlaying that with the under in the in this game. I think that's actually a really really appealing bet there.
0: I don't know, like especially because if both defenses can kind of show up you have case keenum who can turn into a turnover factory at a moment's notice especially against a good defense uh and then you have mitch trubisky on the other side who's just you know, he'll turn it over whenever that there's enough yeah. def- defensive upside to create short fields or potential pick sixes or weird stuff like that that the over isn't just it's high it's 41 and a half so i would stay away from the over under i'm not going to bet the five and a half uh you know it's just sort of like a pick uh, it's not going to get any of my real money i'm probably just going to stay away from this unless there's a prop you can find that you like a lot
1: uh, i haven't really looked into the props for this guy I mean, honestly like from an overall standpoint this is just a stay away game uh like, I, like, I don't think if, of... you,
0: if you like the under in this game i think that targeting under on props may be a better way to go about this
1: like with uh the passing yards on both sides
0: uh, not necessarily passing yards if you can find like specific ones like I uh, just trying to find it here. Like, I know they take shots with Scary Terry down the field, but fifty eight and a half and a is a big number to cover. Like, I know he can do that all in one play because they do target him down the field. Yeah. But if the Bears are like, this is the only part of your offense that's any good, uh, we might take this away.
1: Yeah. See, that's the only thing I hate about taking with the player props on those, you know, deep down, uh, deep down threat guys. Like those are like Tyler Lockett, like sometimes his yardage prop just seems high, but he can just get it done in one shot. And then that's the end of it. And there's nothing more than when he gets that early. It's just on the brink too, because, you know, you know, he can just, he can annihilate that total at any instant. So that does feel kind of high for Terry though. Mm, I, I wouldn't hate the under there. I actually, ex- yeah, I I I don't hate the under on that one. I actually kinda of do like that one.
0: Uh how about this one? Player rushing and receiving yards. Adrian Peterson under forty nine and a half.
1: I yeah. <laughs> I think that that seems a little high.
0: It does, but that's right. And well, the thing is, he's not going to be used in the receiving game all that much. So if you just look at his overall rushing yards, it's 43 and a half. So you can bet under 43 and a half as it pertains to rushing yards or give yourself an extra six yards in the passing game, knowing that he's probably not going to do much in the passing game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely like the total yards. The rushing yards is fairly close to probably the output that you'd expect from him. But getting on that, I mean, you know, it's only six yards, but getting that extra six, that's definitely more enticing. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't feel great about any of these so far, so I'll release, if I do end up playing any props or anything on the game, I just put these out on my Twitter page and my Instagram feed at the PME around like an hour before the game if I really decided to drill down on something, but I'm not not feeling anything really, like last week I was big on Odell Beckham, we talked about that, we bet the over, that was good, that came through and then I tried to press my luck on Thursday night by playing a whole bunch I didn't feel very confident in I'm trying to make a concerted effort to only bet on things I actually think that i feel strongly that are going to happen
1: and that's the way to do it like i i was telling you how i like john brown again for over four and a half receptions at plus money he got four but it was there but yeah i mean throwing bets on like this kind of sort of like it's just i've gotten so much trouble for that it's just it's not even worth it you either have a strong strong feeling for it or against it and just roll with that none of these in between bs Hmm.
0: How is Washington ranked against the rush so far this year? I like my, my head cannon wise. I feel like they've been pretty good, but I could be completely off base with that. Cause if they have been good, I'm going to look it up right now. David Montgomery's rushing. only played the
1: two games too.
0: Yeah, I, I know that. I'm just going to go look up their rush defense rank so far this season. Let's see. Washington. Uh, oh, fourth worst. Great. So. Hmm. that's not good I was gonna say under 60 and a half for David Montgomery seems pretty good but now I don't like that at all
1: no I wouldn't like that he could easily go over that total I think they're averaging about 120 a game so far yeah I wouldn't go I wouldn't take the under
0: I mean I, I don't I don't hate the under solely because just because we saw it last week where Montgomery played all these snaps doesn't mean this week Cohen and Mike Davis are on the field a bunch. Like this could just be sort of like the San Francisco thing and the Eagles thing where this is a three headed backfield. So anyone getting over 60 rushing yards, not totally yards, rushing yards becomes a bigger task.
1: Well, so three headed, are you still putting Cohen in that mix?
0: Yeah, like Cohen's no going to play,
1: but not in the backfield.
0: Yeah, no, I mean Anthony Miller's back. Like he's going to end up playing the slot. Cohen will end up being in the backfield. We'll see sets where there's two running. Oh, backs okay, okay, I got you, backfield. I got you. But if we're just distributing touches between these three guys, like they might all just eat away at each other. And then all of a sudden, if this is randomly a Mike Davis game, because you know, as we saw Week One, that David Montgomery didn't do much. Yeah. That he did control the snap share, at like a forty-nine percent clip in Week Two. But even if he plays forty percent of the snaps, like getting over sixty and a half rushing yards, it's a lot of yards if you only have like ten yeah, touches. It is.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I, I was thinking of how Mike Davis was basically a non-factor in week two. But, yeah, you're right. I, I, I was so – that was still – so. I, I never understood. I didn't know if it was just because, you know, they were just trying to get his feet wet in week one or whatnot. But, that, yeah, again, this is not one that you love. But I, I would lean towards the over on that one. But, again, this is not one that I love and want to put my uh, money on for.
0: See. Also, Washington bad adjust their neutral adjusted sack rate so you would think that if they can get to the quarterback and get to Trubisky a little bit that would probably lead to more Cohen being on the field than Montgomery but also game flow is going to dictate that as well so I'll, I'll see I'll try to figure it all out and get it measured but you know like I said around like quarter after seven eastern time an hour before the game if I'm playing any props I will tweet those out Steve Buchanan where can everyone find you
1: Yep, so Buchanan 24 on Twitter, then always on here on DraftKings on our daily show, The Sweat, during the week and on Sundays, and of course, DK Live app.
0: All right, I am Pat Mayo. I told you how to get in the giveaways for the draw. Smash the like button on your way out of the door. My waiver wire column is up on DKPlaybook.com. If you're watching this after the fact, the DK's Listeners League is in the description and comment section of this video and podcast. Getting that, 15 bucks to play, three max entry, no rake, over $60,000 guaranteed money and I'll be back the rest of the week with golf with MMA and a week full of football shows to get you ready for week four I'm Pat Mayo thank you all for watching I'll see you next time